0: asleep on you, and I'll ask you to do the same for me. Um, it's been a wonderful week, and we could go on and on in thanking everyone, but um, want to commend the congregation for this work, and I know you talk about the 50-plus years. I'll tell you, there have been countless lives impacted, um, and we hope and pray that this work continues. We look forward to next year being able to, Lord willing, be back with Brother Scott and Sister Don and work with with your congregation and, and these young people, um, it's, it's energizing to us uh, to be able to have this opportunity. Um, we've talked about the cross all week long, and I want to close out with one question. What will you do now? Is your life any different after understanding and seeing and knowing about the cross of Jesus? Jesus. You see, as the message of the gospel began to be preached in the first century, after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we see people who had their lives transformed. And sometimes I think we struggle with that. Uh, But I want you to know something. If you've met Jesus Christ, if you've been truly born again of the water and the Spirit, and I'm not saying that you've been dunked underwater, but when you were immersed and baptized into Jesus Christ, I want to tell you, something changed. Whether you were able to see that change or whether you felt any change, I'll tell you, you went from being a sinner separated from God to his dear child. And when God looks at you and identifies you, he now sees the blood of your Savior, his son, that died on that cross. And I think that ought to motivate us to be different. I think understanding that Jesus died for us brings about a responsibility of us responding to that sacrifice to live a life in holy sacrifice to him. The Bible describes that, and as we've talked about this week, that because of the cross of Christ, the Apostle Paul said he had been crucified to this world and this world to him. And that was the theme verse of the entire week. It's what you have on your t-shirts. And the reason that verse is so important is Paul said, of all the things that he had accomplished in his life, of all the ways that he could identify himself, he said the only thing that mattered was Jesus Christ. And that Jesus had died on the cross, and because Jesus died for him, guess what? He would no longer live according to this world. And this world and its desires had been crucified to him. We sing the song Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 oftentimes. I'm crucif- I can't hardly quote the verse without singing the song. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live You see what it says? The life I now live, understanding the sacrifice of Jesus, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Is your life any different? Will your life be any different this next week after spending a week focusing upon the cross of Jesus? I hope and pray that it will be. Matthew chapter 27, verse 45 and 46. Sorry, 35 and 36. They crucified him, parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots, and sitting down, they watched him there. You know, there were a number of people who watched Jesus die, and they sat there and watched that crucifixion, that execution. You know what they did when Jesus died? They got up, and they went back to their life. Nothing had changed. Then there would have been some who would have had doubts and questions and said, well, If Jesus really was the Son of God, why would he die such a death? Then there were some who maybe went and waited for the resurrection. And we know the disciples were gathered together awaiting and Jesus appeared to them and fulfilled everything that God had uh, put forth in his plan to redeem humanity and ultimately motivated them to go out and be different as lights in this world. In Isaiah 53 and verse 5, we've studied this passage In death, because it was the prophecy of the suffering servant. And through his death, notice, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. You see, the cross of Jesus certainly was the sacrifice that was sufficient to take away the sins of the world. But that only matters to me because I'm part of that world. And today, Jesus died for your sins. That should impact you in the way that you now live your life for him. I want you to turn with me at this passage in Isaiah chapter 6. And we're just going to look at a few verses. Um, It's dangerous when a preacher gets up and says, I'm not going to talk very long. Um, I've said that before, and Elizabeth said, you need to quit lying to those good people. It's not my intent to talk very long, okay? Um, If I hadn't been able to accomplish what I wanted to say in the past six days, then, you know, I'll come back next year. Maybe we'll figure it out. But I do want to look at this passage in Isaiah chapter 6. And and I want to start in verse 8. It says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. And he said, go and tell this people, hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. You ever read that about Isaiah and simply hearing the call of God to go and to be God's prophet to his people and, and God proclaiming, saying, who's going to go for us? Who's going to go deliver this message that we have to give to our people? Who will be the one to go? And, and Isaiah just throws his hands, I'll, I'll go, send me. He said, oh, what a a great amount of faith Isaiah had to just raise his hand and say, I will be the one to go on behalf of God and speak to his people. But you know why Isaiah had such faith? It wasn't just because he was a noble man wanting to serve God. It was actually because he had had an experience that connected him with God. And I want you to look back at the previous verses there in chapter 6. And I want to start there in verse 1 because this tells us about the experience that Isaiah got to have that motivated him to respond to God's call to go and to deliver this difficult message. Verse 1 says In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face, with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. He got to come into the throne room of God. And he got to have this experience of seeing God on his throne and seeing these angelic beings flying and covering their eyes with their their wings, covering their feet and flying. An amazing experience, right? And what was Isaiah's response to seeing this holiness? He said, I shouldn't be here. (laughs) Woe is me. Isn't that how we should respond? We don't deserve to come into the presence of God. Our unrighteousness, our sinful self. And Isaiah recognized about him. He said, I shouldn't be here. But guess what God does? Verse 6. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Then we get to verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. See, Isaiah wasn't willing to go be God's spokesperson because of his own nobility or his own ability at all. He was willing to go be God's spokesperson because his sins had been purged. So when his sins had been forgiven, he said, you know what, I have to go tell other people about this opportunity. You know, I believe one of the reasons we don't really actively spread the gospel is we're really not convinced of our own forgiveness to begin with. Because the people we read of in the Bible, when they knew they were purged from their sins, that's all that mattered. That defined them. And that's what they went out and did and told to this world. You know, we'll have conversations about a lot of things. You know, this week, we've talked about a lot of spiritual things. There's been some other kinds of conversations as well. I've had conversations about golf clubs. Jeff, I hope you get that driver. (laughs) I've had conversations about cigars. We've had conversations about parenting. And all those things are fine to talk about. But you know, in the first century, when the disciples were going and preaching the gospel, they were focused. And of all the things they could talk about and all the things they could spend their time doing, you know what mattered to them the most? Was the time and opportunities they had to teach other people about Jesus Christ. And the whole reason they felt that way was because they knew how He had impacted their life. And God had impacted Isaiah to the point that Isaiah was saying, I'm ready to go and deliver that message for you, Lord, because you have purged my sins. You know, we have a cross to bear. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, the Bible says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Again, in Luke 14, verse 33, Jesus put it this way. He said, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus said, If if, if you're going to follow me, you need to realize it's going to come with pain and sacrifice. And I want to ask you tonight, what has your faith in Jesus Christ cost you? You ever thought about that? Because whatever it cost me, God more than makes up for. And that's the point. Is I don't focus on what it is I've had to give up for Christ because anything that's perceived that I would have given up for him He has more than repaid in blessing me through my life of dedication to him. And that's true of all of us as disciples. But we have to realize that this world is different than what we are striving to be. And we're called to be different in the midst of a dark and perverse world. And to do that, sometimes you're going to have to bear that cross. You're going to have to stand up for what's right. You're going to have to stand with the Lord on his side. You're going to have to tell people hard truths. You're going to have to be willing to stand up and say, what this world needs more than anything right now is Jesus Christ. They need to hear the message of the cross. They need to hear that salvation can be attained. And the only way to find peace and joy and fulfillment in this life is through Jesus. I'll tell you, that's not the most popular answer. The most popular answer is to find fulfillment and joy and peace and all those things within yourself and whatever truth you want to establish for you. And it's very easy to go along with that. But to be disciples of Jesus, we have to be willing to bear that cross and teach the truth and love to those who are in opposition to God. Jesus commands us to go. You ever think about the Great Commission? We talked about the the limited commission. We talked about the sending out of the 70 uh, the other night in our study. But what about the great commission, the last words that Jesus left to his disciples as he ascended into heaven? What was that mission? What were those last words were for his disciples to go? And where were they to go? He told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel. In Mark's account, in Mark chapter 16. In Matthew's account here in Matthew 28, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe whatsoever things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That should define us as God's people. And if I'm living a life that's been impacted by the cross, I can't help but share that with other people. You ever had somebody come to you for advice? Maybe you're successful in business. Maybe you're successful in your home and your family. And people come and ask you, hey, give me some tips. Help me understand how I can be successful in business. How can I be successful as a husband, as a mother, as a father, as a wife? How can I be successful in my relationships? How can I be successful uh, at work and whatever I'm doing? How can I be successful in school? And we can give people worldly wisdom, but the truth is, we're subject and in submission to the will of Christ. And when we're in submission to the will of Christ and to the will of God, there are a lot of blessings that come from that. You know, God teaches us to work hard, to be diligent. To do all things as unto the Lord. And I venture to say, if you do that on your job, you're going to be successful. (laughs) Should that surprise us? That's God's will. And that's just one example. As a husband, when the Bible tells me to love my wife as Christ loved the church, don't you think I'm going to have more peace in my home when I live up to that responsibility? It's not about reading a self-help book that tells me how to be a better husband. God's Word tells me how to do that. And if we will start with God's Word, it opens the door for us to do and fulfill the mission of His people. So I want to tell you, we're not trying to help people be successful in this world. We're trying to help them get to heaven. And they're only going to get that through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Motivates everything for us. Can you say that tonight? He motivates everything? In Acts 17 in verse 28 the Apostle Paul said, For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Jesus is is the very essence and and reason and motivation for anything that we do in our life. And when you live that way, you're going to find opportunities to share that with other people. And ultimately, you're living out what Galatians 2 and verse 20 teaches us. That I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. You see, we still have to live a life, don't we? That's why the book of Romans talks to us about being a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. It's reasonable for God to expect us to devote our life in service to Him. You know why? Because of the death of His Son, Jesus. (laughs) That's fair. And God looks at what He is asking of us and says... It's not unreasonable what I'm asking you to do, to be a living sacrifice. Did you know that? That we owe God our life, and everything we do, every choice we make, every behavior we exhibit, we ought to consider Jesus Christ. Now, back when I was a teenager and into my early 20s, kids wore these wristbands that had WWJD on them. What were those for? What did that stand for? What would Jesus do, right? You know why people, some people wore them just because they were trendy, but the idea was, hey, when I'm going to make a choice or a decision, if I have that on my wrist, at least I'm thinking and considering, how would Jesus handle this situation? How would Jesus respond to this? And maybe I'm in a situation where I'm being treated unfairly. How would Jesus respond? I know how Chase wants to respond. Chase wants to defend himself, and Chase wants to advocate for himself, and Chase wants to fight and bicker and argue, but how would Jesus respond? And maybe that would help me to think, who am I living for? See, this life isn't about us. It's about glorifying Christ through our life. And you do that on a daily basis. Basis. I want to tell you tonight, your life has to bear fruit. See, that's really the test. What is your life producing? Matthew 4 and 19, Jesus said, He saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. As he called those apostles who had fished for a living, and their livelihood was dependent upon the fish they would catch and bring into the city and sell. He said, you know what? I've got a higher calling for you. I know you enjoy fishing, but I'm going to make you fishers of men. And with that is not going to come any monetary blessing. But you're going to give your service to your God. And those men followed Jesus and they went and they bore much fruit. In John 15, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you what? Bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. You see, the test of whether we're really disciples of Jesus is to evaluate the fruit that our life produces. And if our life doesn't produce fruit to the glory and honor of God, we might want to question how devoted we are as disciples. And that's hard. But all it takes is an honest heart. What fruit are you producing to the glory of God? Now, we could look at that in two different ways. We could look at it as simply a measuring stick of how many people we directly impact to obeying the gospel. And I think that's one measurable. I think I was talking with um, Tim the other day, and I think he said maybe in the last year y'all had 15 to 20 baptisms. You know, there are tangible goals that you want to see, right? You want to see 40, 50 baptisms. That's one thing. I want to tell you, are you producing fruit in your own home? Are you teaching your children to love and honor God? And that doesn't mean you're just sitting down opening the Bible with them, but are they, they, they seeing you live out the example of Jesus and the way you handle difficult situations? Are they seeing Christ in the way that you speak to one another? Are they seeing Christ in your motivation for worshiping God? Are they seeing Christ in the way you deal with this world? Are they seeing Christ in the way you handle stress and adversity? I tell you, your kids are watching that. And in your own home, you could be producing fruit. But you could also be producing the wrong kind of fruit. because you could be teaching them to handle things the way the world handles them. And the reality is you're going to produce something. The key is that the fruit we produce brings glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ, and we have a mission to fulfill. You ever had a job to do? Something that someone gave you as a task to complete, and you didn't take it serious? And it came time to deliver upon the task and they came and evaluated your work and said, why didn't you get done what I asked you to do? And you tried to make up excuse after excuse, but the reality is you just chose not to do it. See, the church has a mission. If the church has a mission, guess what? Every one of us has a mission. And our mission is to teach the gospel to everyone we come in contact with. And to do that, we have to care about the souls of other people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul said, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. He said, how could I not preach the very thing that has saved my soul? The most important thing to me, how could I not spend my life dedicated and talking to other people about this message have we been impacted that way I can't answer that for you I can tell you this there was a time in my life I had no desire or concern about the gospel of Jesus can you say the same thing Was there a time in your life where you had no concern with the things of God? And you just lived for you? Can you at least acknowledge that? What changed? Was it because mom and dad brought you to church? Was it because somebody studied the Bible with you? Or was it because you understood that Jesus made a sacrifice for you? All those other things are important. But the reason we serve God is because of what our Savior has done for us. And there's no other story, there's no other thing that's worthy of our conversation except that gospel to this world. Think about Peter and John as they were preaching and they were put into prison, they were arrested. In Acts chapter 4, they're told, you know what, we're going to let you guys go, but, but don't go and talk about Jesus anymore, okay? Okay. Now, we're we're not going to keep you in prison. We're going to let you have your freedom, but stop talking about Jesus. You know what they said? Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Uh, You can't help, once you've really been converted, of working Jesus into every relationship that you have if he's really that important to you. Young people, you have an impact that you don't even realize you have right now. You have opportunities that you don't even realize that you have right now. Because I want to tell you, you have friends at school, you have friends in your community that guess what? They didn't get to come spend a week at singing school. They go home to homes every night where Jesus is never even talked about. They go home and they never see the spirit of Jesus exemplified. And guess what y'all get to do? Y'all get to expose them to that. But it's only going to be effective if you're willing to stand up and show them that gospel through the life and the example that you're willing to live. It's not about preaching verses at people. It's about living out the mission of the church and the relationships that we have. Brother Tim says it almost in every single prayer. We may be the only Bible that people ever read. Because <laughs> it's not about what you tell people. It's about what people see in your actions and your behaviors. And you guys preaching the gospel to your friends is showing them kindness holding yourself accountable, being an, an example, and showing them that you live to a higher standard in calling because of what God has done for you. Can you do that? I tell you, if you do that, you're fulfilling your mission in his kingdom. And the last thing I want to ask you is, are you willing to speak? Isaiah said, Lord, I'm ready, send me. The Apostle Paul says, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Peter and John said, throw us in prison, do what you got to do, but we can't help but speak and to teach the things that we have experienced concerning Jesus Christ. What about you and me? You see, the message of the cross has changed this world. Because it's changed our lives. In Acts chapter 2, the last verse I want to leave you with in this meeting. They're gathered on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has come, and the kingdom of God is about to be opened up. In Acts 2 and verse 14, Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. And what does Peter go on to preach? He goes on to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He goes on to preach a message of the cross, he goes on to preach a message of reconciliation. He goes on to preach a message of forgiveness. He goes on to preach a message of God's grace and mercy. And in that, he tells them, you have murdered the Son of God. And upon hearing that message, you know the Bible says they were pricked in their hearts. And they looked at Peter and the rest of the apostles and said, men and brethren, what shall we do? do you know that's a noble response not everyone had that response some walked away that day and said peter doesn't know what he's talking about some walked away wagging their fist in anger at the message of jesus but you know what three thousand of them did that day three thousand of them repented and were baptized The Bible says, praising God and having favor with all the people, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And that day, 3,000 lives were changed. In closing, do you remember the day your life changed? If you've been baptized into Christ, do you remember that day? I can tell you vividly details of the day I obeyed the gospel. January 19th, 1999. You know where I was at? It wasn't a Wednesday night, it wasn't a Sunday. And it was right here in this baptistry. Brother Bruce Woody walked with me into that baptistry. And he told me, he said, I'm going to put you under the water. And I want you to think about the blood of Jesus washing your sins away. And he said, I might need some help getting you up. (laughs) I was buried with my Lord in baptism. Have I been perfect since that day? I haven't. I've sinned. I've fallen. I've fallen. I've had anger I've lied I've been deceitful I've hurt those closest to me but I know I did that and when I repent as a child of God it's just as if I was being buried with my Lord again And his blood that cleansed me that day as that 19 year old is still there, cleansing me as a 42 year old man for my shortcomings and my sins today. Guys, it's not about you being perfect because that's not going to happen. But it's about you understanding where you go when you realize you need forgiveness. You can go to your parents, you can go to your friends. The only one that can really help you is Jesus. And he invites you to come. We're going to stand in just a moment. We're going to have one more invitation song. And I want you to consider your life. And if nothing changed in your life after meeting Jesus and being obedient in baptism... You might want to consider your discipleship. You might want to consider your relationship because the people we read of of in the Bible, their lives were changed. They were different after meeting Christ. And maybe tonight you need to rededicate yourself to his mission. Maybe you need to be motivated to be about preaching that gospel, of being a good example, of being a Christian, a light in this world, an ambassador for Christ. Then guess what? We're here to help you do that. And through prayer, you can be reconciled and you can have the joy of God's salvation reapplied to your life. We want to leave here this afternoon celebrating. We're tired. Everybody's ready to go home and get in their beds and sleep for two days. I get it. But I want to tell you if you have a need, we'll stay here all evening. You need to talk, we'll listen. We're not in a rush because your soul is more important than anything else. And if we can help you with that need, let us know. Come and have a seat on the front while we stand and sing. I Longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight.